Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to the worldwide broadcast of the Ted and Austin Brower Show, bringing you the latest world news and health research. Hope everybody is having an absolutely fantastic day today, as always. And if you need anything, you know where to get a hold of us, healthmasters.com. Got a new special kit, the Maximum Energy Kit, going up on the front page of the website and the product of the week, you voted it won the Pro Cut Core Formula from World ABS Labs over in Switzerland, the same company that manufactures our Tongat Alley and our Tribulus Fuel for us. Really, really clean company, really, really high quality and effective product. That will be on sale today as product of the week as the main fat burner supplement that we carry, the Pro Cut Core on product of the week. So be sure to check it out at healthmasters.com. And also in other news, looking back in history for a few minutes, you know, this is a very interesting day, as we know that three years ago today, L.A. government officials ordered the sanding in of outdoor skate parks for public health. If you guys have seen the videos or you've watched the photos of this, there's actually they did this. The giant skate parks that are in California and Los Angeles They went in with bulldozers and dumped massive loads of sand inside the skate park because they said it was illegal to use the skate parks during the COVID pandemic. And most people didn't believe it would happen. They didn't start seeing photos and videos, and they really did. There were bulldozers dumping sand in the skate park because they said it was too dangerous for anyone to be outside in the sun with the fresh air right off the coast skating freely unmolested on their way. Yeah. That's what the U.S. government did, and that was just a minor thing because on this day, back in 1993, you can go back and you guys know if you know your history, this was the end of the Waco siege today. We're the final day where over 80 women and children died in Waco, Texas, because the federal government decided that they needed to have a budget increase, and they needed to create a boogeyman to justify it and descended on Waco, Texas for a 51-day siege to arrest David Koresh. Instead of arresting him the many times he was in town almost every single week, instead of doing a traffic stop and stopping him and arresting him peacefully on the side of the road and taking him to jail, ATF decided they were going to do a no-knock search warrant raid and engage the basically branch Davidians with deadly force, including shooting numerous numerous individuals who were in there and their dogs uh, because the ATF said we have the power to do whatever we want. And multiple ATF agents died as well and uh, ended up in a horrific standoff with a massacre unlike we have seen in recent times. That was, again, remember, the government did that to protect them. They, they butchered and massacred all those women and children because, you know, they were there to protect them. They started rolling through with bulldozers and tanks and dumping tear gas in that they knew the CS gas was going to ignite. They intentionally did it to finalize the standoff, and they wanted to make an example out of anybody that actually doesn't want to be taken in illegally and controlled illegally. So just – Remember that when you start hearing the government say, we're doing this for your protection, like you're essential, but you're not essential. You don't have an essential business, so you can't work because, well, again, remember, it's for your safety. (laughs) So I thought I'd bring those two little dates up today on April 19th as a very interesting day in history and a time that we should never forget what they tried to do everyone during COVID and what they've also done in the past because those that forget history are doomed to repeat it as we have currently seen. And I've noticed the United States population is 
seems to be getting a shorter and shorter memory span. Almost every time I talk to people, it's like now it seems like COVID is just this distant memory. Oh, that was, a, that was COVID back then. I'm not worried about that again. I'm like, hey, you better be awake and aware. Don't be worrying, but you need to be aware and remember what they did because I promise you it was too effective for them not to try it again. Just something to be aware of. Also, too, in other news, this is something very interesting. China now is ramping up massive construction on yet another Antarctic base as Beijing allegedly is trying to seek dominance in the South Pole region. This is a very interesting topic because you guys know we've talked about Antarctica repeatedly. And it's a very strange kind of mystic continent, so to speak. And there's so many weird things around it. And the fact that you're not allowed to go there unless you're essentially military and you're not allowed to fly over it or they'll shoot you down. And I think the uh, China now has five military bases in Antarctica. And what are they doing down there? I don't know. Everything's always classified. <laughs> Everything's classified with everything nowadays. So you don't really know the truth that's going on. But clearly – that area is a lot more than just a polar ice cap that you go watch penguins on. Now they're claiming that they're going to be doing surveillance and doing other type of expansion of their you know, South Pole region and a whole lot of other stuff. Whether or not they're doing that or not, I don't know. I know they're putting one large main building that's uh, 53,000 square feet. This construction is supposed to be done by 2024, a 53,000-square-foot facility. So they're obviously not going down. They're just kind of penguins. They're doing something in that larger facility. Just thought I would throw that out there. Also, too, in other news, this is interesting. This, I had somebody bring up the other day. They were talking to me about the Internet of Things and a new term that I had not really recently heard of, and I did some more research on it, and it's also called the Internet of Bodies. And this is tying in now further and further into this, this mesh of humans and machines, and the Internet of Bodies is a fairly new term that has been coined to describe connected devices that monitor the human body, collect physiological, biometric, or behavior data, and exchange information over a wireless or hybrid network. Standalone mobile apps that analyze physical activity and health-related data such as heartbeat, blood pressure, sleep cycles are also considered part of the Internet of Bodies. Now, what's interesting about this is now the more research that I'm looking at this, if you constantly hear there's always this new thing now you can try, these heartbeat sensors and these iPhones and these and – and I'm not picking on anybody if you wear these, but these Fitbits and all these smart apps that everybody wears, I can – I saw I saw my heart rate's doing right now. You know what your heart rate's doing right now? It was doing exactly what it was when you were doing this exact same thing yesterday. You know, unless you have a serious heart condition, why are you staring at your heart rate all day long? Why are you really concerned on how many minutes you are sleeping? And quite frankly, isn't it a bit odd that you're wearing a device that's monitoring how long you're sleeping and how active you are and you do all this stuff? If you're trying to do that for a specific goal, like you're preparing for the Olympics, cool. But as everybody should know, anything that is connected to the Internet that monitors any of that information – sends that information to the cloud, to networks. This hardware now that has advanced computing capabilities, they're starting to expand it with sensors measuring human-generated data from step count to pulse to oxygen levels to all kinds of parameters, facial features, daily routines, locations, everywhere you do, everywhere you go. Your heart rate during those different locations and what you're doing, your excitement, every single variable that you're doing It's being recorded and monitored, and it's being stored and analyzed either on the device or in the cloud, and it's very possible now to combine this invasive wearable device into a wireless body area network, which means anytime you go somewhere, 
and the Bluetooth picks up or the wireless picks up on that device, it's picking up that data because remember, none of it is none of it is restricted. All this stuff goes up when it goes up to the cloud, the Internet of Things, meaning so you go somewhere and you go to a hotel, right? And you log into their wireless. They give you their wireless password. You sign in. Well, when you sign in and your wearable device signs in with that as well, all that data, everything you do, your heart rate, your blood pressure, everything that's monitoring now is available via wireless, and it is being basically picked up everywhere you go. So the information that you have on you that you think is so secure is being essentially sent out to everybody so they can continually monitor and watch it. This is why they're building all these things like smart apparel now clothes that can monitor stuff. This is why they have the voice control and the voice monitoring with Alexa. This is why the refrigerators and the dishwashers and the washing machines listen to everything now and gather their data. Then people go, Dawson, this is far-fetched. This is bizarre. This, you, what, what, are you, what, are you, what are you talking about with this? The information's right here. It's all over the internet. They're blatantly bragging about it now, and now they're doing this new type of brain sensor, the Neuralink that Elon Musk has been working on. This is going to start monitoring your thoughts. It's going to start monitoring where you think about what your desires are, what your goals are. All that stuff is going to be picked up by the Neuralink, and again – shot up to the internet of things or the internet of bodies so to speak so again be aware of this saying you make your own decision what you want to give up as far as privacy and what you want to actually put on your body but again understand that this stuff is being used to data log you and again they're building it so they can build an entire algorithm based on every single person so they can have predictive programming on what they think you're going to do in the future what you're going to say where you're going to go who you're going to hang out with just something that I wanted to throw out there and kind of give everybody a heads up on if you didn't already know that. What do you think, Dan? How are you doing this morning? Oh, I'm doing great. I, I, I know we urge everybody all the time, be careful with your personal data. Yep. You, know, don't, you know, Turn off your permissions on your iPad. Turn off your permissions on your cell phones. And just say no, 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 and uh, how about no, and cover your cameras. And, uh, you know, the fact that we're even talking about this right now is mind-boggling, that this is actually technology that it exists, and they're using it and deploying it on us in the United States and around the world. And I told you the story years ago with Austin and I, we were in England and I had been on the wrong quote Autobahn in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the country. It was nowhere. I mean, there weren't any, you know, medias to speak about. There weren't any really turn lanes to go turn around on or anything. And finally I just had enough because we were going in the wrong direction. I just turned around on the grass about 10 feet across and, and went the other direction the way I was supposed to go. And there was nothing around us. And suddenly, you know, a month later when I get home, I get a ticket in the mail from a camera that was probably hidden in a bush somewhere or a tree somewhere that no one ever saw anywhere. And you find out they've got, you know, literally hundreds of thousands, not millions of cameras in England. And the same thing is true in our United States of America with facial recognition cameras all over the interstates. You see them everywhere. You see them on the on-ramps. You see them on the off-ramps. You see them in the middle of the highways. You see them everywhere. And uh, this is what they do. They want to monitor you. And that's why they don't want window tint on your cars. Just mention that quite briefly that and of course the safety for law enforcement but the reality is and of course sometimes people don't need a window tint if they have a hard time seeing at night anyhow if they're basically older and they have improper night vision but they should be using it if they have that issue anyhow but the reality is they want to be able to monitor who's in the car who's driving what you're doing and anything all the time if it was truly just for traffic flow patterns in case if there's a hurricane or a national disaster or whatever they wouldn't need to see this inside and through the windshield I mean, it's nonsense but they have that technology with those high-resolution cameras. They can look right through your windshield and see you driving your car so they can track you with your iPhone and get an algorithm of where you're going and what you're doing and what you're saying. And then they want to, they want to listen to your conversations inside the car with all of the 
Bluetooth hookups and all the other things they have inside the car with Siri. I've got a friend of mine uh, who was basically telling me yesterday that her daughter was basically in a car and the kids were screaming and yelling. And she yells at the kids, stop yelling, stop screaming. And Siri speaks up. The telephone says, that's not nice. It's the middle of the conversation. The telephone's talking to her. What the heck? This is the weird world that we find ourselves in. And we think this is ludicrous that we're actually having to think about every single move we do. And then, of course, if that's not enough, people put Alexa in their homes. Years ago, somebody gave me an Alexa as a gift for Christmas. It was quickly re-gifted. I got rid of it. And I thought to myself, I don't want that thing in my house monitoring every word that I say, everything that I do. Uh, you know, Alexa, you know, go, go, go buy this book, okay? And then all of a sudden, Alexa goes and buys, you know, a book. Why can't you just pick up the computer or pick up the iPad and buy your own book? Why do you have to tell a computer to do all this stuff? This is the world we live in. You know, we have smart houses now, smart homes, and you can say lights turn on, you know, whatever. You, you turn your lights on. You can call them from, uh, you know, 100 miles away and tell your hot tub to turn on, all the other crazy things. And I've learned something about all of that technology because, you know, I've got an RV up in North Carolina. I'll leave it parked up there. It's got all these little fancy things in it. You know, like everything, everything stays broken all the time. This doesn't work. That doesn't work. This computer doesn't work. That doesn't work. Just, it turns into a giant maintenance nightmare. Same thing is true. I've got a friend of mine who had a swimming pool. They put all kinds of fountains and all kinds of different gadgets on the swimming pool. And he told me one day, he said, I wish I never would have done that. I said, why not? He goes, nothing works. It's always broken. Something's always got to be repaired. And hence, that comes back to the maintenance issue, doesn't it? You know, the long-term cost on certain types of things is not necessarily the initial cost of putting something in. It's the maintenance of maintaining it. You see these guys who drive these fancy cars and they get an oil bill. I think that Bugatti, which is insane, it's like a million-dollar car. Yeah, it's changed the oil on us like thirty, forty thousand dollars. I mean, they got to take the whole bottom of the car apart and have like twelve different, you know, outlets that the oil drains out of. I mean, it's, it's ludicrous. You got to disassemble the vehicle. So people don't realize when they start buying this stuff and they've got to maintain it over the long term. How much it costs? Look at your house. You get your house paid off. You still got to paint it. You still got to put a roof on it. You still got to replace the appliances. You got to still replace the AC systems. You still got to pay property taxes, which are, in my opinion, completely unconstitutional. And all these things are happening to you all of the time as far as a maintenance standpoint. So be very careful when you start buying more and more stuff and more and more detailed stuff and more and more fancy stuff and more and more electronics because this stuff's got to be maintained. And it gets really, really pricey when you have to maintain it. It really, really, really does. By the way, Megan Kelly, uh, you know, I got to give her credit on this one. I, I mean, a lot of people don't like Megan Kelly. You know, I'm indifferent towards Megan Kelly. I mean, she really hammered Trump when he was running for the election back in 2015, 2016. I got that. understand that. And uh, he hammered her right back, and she, they got into a big mess, and she got fired, and she got another job, and she got fired again. Well, now she's saying the truth. Megyn Kelly is clapping back after she is branded a transphobe for calling on Anheuser-Busch CEO to apologize properly over the tie-up with Mulvaney, who made a mockery of womanhood. Uh, I got I to gotta give her that one. Uh, news host Megyn Kelly hits back last night after she was branded transphobic for calling the CEO of Anheuser-Busch to apologize. In angry comments on Sears XM's The Megyn Kelly Show, host has accused Mulvaney of making a mockery of womanhood. By promoting trans women who are celebrating far lefties all across the country, Meg Kelly said Anheuser-Busch had, in their own words, put themselves in the middle of a discussion that divides people. Kelly faced the backlash of her comments with critics saying she intentionally misgendered Mulvaney and came across as transphobic. But in a tweet on Tuesday, the podcast host hit back, telling her 2.7 million followers on the platform that she is speaking the truth. Call me whatever names you want. I'm speaking the truth, and neither I or the millions of other women and men who believe in biology, reality, fairness would be dissuaded by your attempt to marginalize us with your words like transphobic. So give Omega Kelly kudos on that one. 
you got to maybe she's going to build her brand back and get her reputation back and all the rest of it. I hope she does. But undeterred, completely undeterred by Bud Light's boycott. CVS now, a major pharmaceutical you know, giant here in the United States of pharmacy, uh, goes all in on transgenderism. Now, this, this is crazy. It's just been revealed that CVS has gone all full woke when it comes to supporting transgenders. The Fox business has obtained a gender transition guide that reveals how the company goes out of their way. Wow. To encourage transgenderism among their employees, including how transgender employees may use whichever bathroom and locker room they like. CVS's health and gender transition guidelines for employees requires workers to address people by their preferred pronouns and names and that they may use whichever restroom or locker room they wish, regardless of whether the individual identifies as transgender. And the guidelines obtained exclusively by Fox business employees are told they must be entitled to a medical leave of absence under the Family Medical Leave State Law Act. Transitioning employees are asked to tell their immediate leaders about their transition so the company can provide support and to make the transmission as smooth as possible. All right, I'm not going to read any more of this stuff, but so we got to ask ourselves a very simple question. Who owns CVS? We tell you this all the time, and every once in a while we'll pull it up for you. All you have to do is go to StockZoa, S-T-O-C-K-Z-O-A.com, and ask StockZoa who owns CVS. Number one owner of CVS, oh, my gosh, I'm shocked, is Vanguard. Whoa. Okay. Okay. Number two owner of CVS is BlackRock. And number three owner of CVS is State Street. I mean, I mean, they have 118 million shares, 96 million shares, and 58 million shares. And the crazy part about this is it never ends. It just never, ever ends on BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard. And this is the group that's owned by the Bloodline families. This is the group that controls 90% of the stock market. This is the group that basically does whatever they want to do, whatever they want to do it, and whatever they want to make a corporation woke, they make it woke. These are the major groups that basically come in and buy other businesses that have been built you know, with you know, human capital and work from entrepreneurs. They come in and buy up these companies when they go public, and they say, okay, now we're going to tell you what to do. You see this with a lot of the organic companies. You see this with a lot of the healthcare companies that really care about people's health. They end up getting bigger and bigger and bigger. They go public, and they get bought up by these same corporations that they control everything because they use fiat currency, fiat money that they print because they also own the banks, remember? And they also have that ability then to go in and just buy up tangible assets with fiat currency. And, and it's nutty to me because then, then it allows them to continue to control every single thing we do. Same thing with you know what's going on with the whole world right now and how it hates the United States of America. I mean it really does. This is an article that was done throughout of Turkey, and it says the whole world hates America. Its reputation is faltering, senior Ergodon ally says. You know, I mean, this is crazy. It says relations between Turkey and the U.S. have faltered after Ankara, Ankara has accused Washington of trying to overthrow the president, Aragon, in a two in 2016, which is true. They did. Earlier this month, Aragon, I'm blessed that the U.S. ambassador to Turkey, has said his office doors were closed to him after the envoy met with the senior opposition leader that had May 14th election. Guys, I've traveled the world. Austin has, too. One of the things that I always ask people when I go to other countries, because, you know, we're talking to them and we're Americans and we're awake, you know, not woke, but awake. We know what's going on. And we talk to them about how they feel about the United States of America. And, it's, and it's, the comments are almost always the same. We absolutely hate the United States of America. You guys had the greatest country on the earth. You have destroyed it. And through your CIA, you have come in and you've overthrown so many other countries to impose your regime change into these countries against the wishes of the people of those countries. This is exactly about this. This is good. This breaks the Treaty of Westphalia, which was done several hundred years ago, which said that if a country is in the middle of a civil war, that another country can't come in and try to do regime change, you know, without the country that is actually in the middle of the civil war asking another country to come in. Well, the United States is way beyond that. 
we don't even wait for civil wars to start. We just start civil wars in countries to overthrow them. And this is supposed to be the United States of America. Okay, don't want to believe that. I'm posting this list on on our, on our website. Let's talk about this. China. We basically overthrow this groups from China, 1949, early 60s, Albania, East Germany, Iran, Guatemala, Costa Rica, Syria, Egypt, Indonesia, British Guiana, Iraq, North Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos, Ecuador, Congo, France, Brazil, Dominican Republic. And I'm only up to 1963. 1959, Cuba, Bolivia, Indonesia, Ghana, Chile, Greece, Costa Rica, Bolivia, Australia. It goes on and on and on and on and on, all the way down to Haiti in 2004, Somalia in 2007, Honduras in 2009, Libya in 2011, Syria in 2012, Ukraine in 2014. Wait a minute. I mean, we do this in the United States of America? Oh, yeah, we do that because we're trying to promote democracy. Do you believe that? Does anybody really believe that? The United States has been bought and sold and taken over by the Rothschild banking cartel with the 1913 enabling of the Federal Reserve Act. And with the income tax and all the rest they've done to us, the United States was completely taken over from a Christian standpoint by the Schofield Reference Bible and Zionism. The United States was taken over and dragged into World War I for the Balfour Declaration. Look it all up to get basically Palestine taken over by you know, Israeli factions who create the country of Israel again so they can rebuild the Third Temple and bring out the Antichrist. Just thought I'd mention that one too. One of the major reasons that World War II was fought was to force a lot of the Jews out of Europe back into Israel. Among other reasons, I'm not going to make any long. I'm not going to make a long story about World War II. Read the book "The Bad War" by Mike King. It's free. It's PDF free. His book, that book, was banned on Amazon. Read it. "The Bad War" by Michael King, and you can get an idea of really why World War II was fought and some of the things that you weren't told about World War II. Same thing with Vietnam. CIA had to come in there and basically get get the drugs running so we could basically have more money for black ops. You know, and that's why Kennedy knew that. And tried Kennedy tried to get him out. You know, Kennedy didn't want Israel to have nuclear weapons. Kennedy wanted to get rid of the fiat currency. You know, Kennedy wanted to do all these different things, and basically they, they rewarded him by killing him. He wanted to expose and what was going on with the shadow government, with what happened with Roswell. Oh, yeah, Kennedy would do that too. All of that stuff that Kennedy did makes him my favorite person for presidential, you know, whatever, for the president of my entire lifetime. He's a Democrat. But he was really, really a good guy, and I really believe, as I've said on the show before, that when PT-109 got shot off underneath him in World War II, and he was on that atoll, that island, and he saved his men, I believe he had an epiphany of what the United States could be and should be and would be under his administration. Of course, and they used the mob to get his you know, votes pushed through in Illinois, maybe helped him make him president, and then, he went, and then his brother went after the mob, and the mafia was directly involved. With his assassination, along with the CIA, along with I believe, and a lot of people believe Lyndon Johnson, and all these different groups of people were involved as far as being part of that, as far as getting rid of him for the coup d'état they did in the United States, which is what happened when Kennedy was assassinated. And that unbelievable piece of garbage, filthy mouth guy, Lyndon Johnson took over. And then, of course, after you know winning another term, he basically said, I will not run again for the presidency of the United States because he had seen, I guess, from the inside out what was going on, including the covering up the USS Liberty and it being strafed 5,000 times trying to start World War III with Egypt by Israel. I mean, I just you can't make this stuff up. You, you start reading through the stuff and start looking at what happens. You start understanding who it is. And now one of the things that they're doing is they're really, really attacking, you know, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Uh, why would they do that? Okay, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. hates vaccines. He hated the COVID shot. And he really hates Fauci. And not, uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. has come after the entire industrial complex of pharmacia. And, and basically wanted to go in with Trump, and Trump said he would do this, but he never did it, never followed through with it. 
to set up a commission is to find out why so many kids are coming down with autism after these vaccines are given to them, the 76 shots they're being given you know, while they're in school. So RFK, and this is exclusive from Daily Mail, they're really hammering him. Let me read you what he said. Too much baggage. How Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s history of drug addiction, womanizing, and self-described lust demons makes his run for president a long shot, as even his own powerful family is unlikely to support him, source claims. Wow. Robert F. Kennedy, a prominent anti-vaxxer and son of RFK, is officially challenging Joe Biden for the Democratic nomination. Insider says he has too much baggage. <laughs> Jerry Oppenheimer is a best-selling biographer of the Clintons and basically other iconic American airline, but American families. He's the author of Robert Kennedy's Jr. and The Dark Side of the Dream. Drug addiction, womanizing, a wife's suicide, lust demons. They've been enough to prevent most people from ever thinking of running for office. But on Wednesday, Robert F. Kennedy's Jr. plans to announce that he is throwing his hat in the ring in a bid for the highest position in the nation. Nearly six decades after his uncle John F. Kennedy became president, then his father was gunned down on the road to the presidency. RFK Jr. decided that he should try to win the White House following his forebears' fatal political footsteps. Do you think he's a chance in the skeletons of the closet? Will be enough to defeat him in his bid for the Democratic nomination? Nicknamed the Toxic Avenger, Kennedy has long been involved in environmental crusades, most notably, the, most notably the cleanup of the Hudson River. But in recent years, he has turned against vaccinations and has been highly critical of efforts to curb COVID to such an extent that he's now considered by some to be a conspiracy theorist. No, he's not. He's a reality truth teller is what he is. Still, Kennedy, 69, has decided that at that time is right to challenge Joe Biden, 80, who has yet to formally announce he'll run for a second term. You know, I watch this and I read through this stuff and I think to myself, there's a reason that they're hammering him this hard, calling him a conspiracy theorist and basically saying these bad things about him. They want to try to dissuade him from coming after the presidency of the United States, and they don't want him on the debate platform stage with Joe Biden. Ah, there we go. They're going to do the same thing they did to Ron Paul. You know, I was his precinct captain back in 2008 here in Central Florida and Auburn, where we are, largest precinct in this county. Uh, me and Buddy Johnson were there all day trying to talk to people about why they should be voting for Ron Paul. And what ended up happening is we ended up in a situation where we all lost our voices and got sick and nobody else really voted for Ron Paul except for about five of us, the ones who were going to do it anyhow. And I learned that day that trying to persuade people on the way to the polls about who they should vote for is a complete and total waste of time. Didn't realize I've never done that again. But I also realized that Kennedy is telling the truth about a lot of people out there. Now, I've got to give him a little bit of caution here. Be very careful, Mr. Kennedy. Watch your back. They already killed your uncle. They already killed your daddy. And they're not above killing you if you start pushing it too hard. But I would really love to see him if he was actually able to speak on the platform against Joe Biden. But he'll be marginalized and given his 10 seconds of response with Joe Biden's 20 minutes of response. Or, of course, I'm being facetious, but it seems like that. I remember when you know Ron Paul was there in the lineup of all the people that were basically part of the debate and part of the groups that were running for the Republican nomination, and they would give him a marginal amount of time and very rarely call on him, and everybody would roll their eyes when he would speak, and everything he was saying was true, but nobody wanted to listen. Is that how blind we are now in the United States of America? Have we completely gone over to the dark side? Have we, have we become part of this ancient Canaanite religious cult that's basically doing everything it possibly can to destroy the United States of America, destroy the world, and destroy everybody as far as following the you know, the most high God. Well, apparently, we've got a big problem with paganism returning in the United States now. The spiritual crisis afflicting the contemporary America's ancient and enduring roots, and so does the cure. This is an article by Leo Leibovitz, 
and it's called Commentary, Culture and Civilization. It's called The Return of Paganism in the United States. I mean, I, I'm not going to go into detail with all of these crazy things as far as what's, what he says and all the things he talks about in here because it's going to be one of those really long articles. If you want to read it, you really, really can. But this is basically the ancient Canaanite religions and the ancient occult religions that have made their comeback here in the United States. Huge amounts of people are now following these types of things, and you see it all the time with these Viking TV shows and all the paganism they had and tying people to trees and draining their blood, all the crazy stuff they're doing. You know, you know, it's just they seems strange to me that the giant spiritual vacuum that was left here in the United States after Christianity was attacked and pretty much destroyed, how I should say, honestly, it really has been in the United States of America. But the reality is this. Why in the world are people going to other gods? You know, why are they doing that? Here's, here's what he says. Child sacrifice, the last is live and well in America these days, too. We may not like the Vikings tossing our young children in the wells, offerings to the heavens, but turn over every rock in our craggy contemporary political landscape. You'll find some pagan policy offering up the well-being of children to the gods of virtue. In March 2020, to choose one stinging example, Sweden bucked the global global 10 or responded to COVID-19 by keeping schools open. The results of this experiment were available shortly thereafter. Zero dead kids almost zero sick kids, and very little, if any, risk to teachers. By January 21, a study published by the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention confirmed the COVID rates in schools that had reopened were 37% lower than the rates in the same communities at the large. The Biden administration largely ignored this evidence, and it took some liberal cities such as New York a full 18 months to reopen their schools. Wow, the results, dramatic upticks in juvenile mental health crisis, sharp declines in basic academic proficiency, proficiency and just about every other metric of human misery visited our children and all of this stuff looks goes back and he talks about how it's going back to paganism 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 and i will say this again as i have always said on the show paganism is what's promoting the transgender issue in the united states of america it's from that wretched book the zohar that was written thousands of years ago saying that the god of the universe is a god in a tree and it's a snake and he's an hermaphrodite that, that you have to be hermaphroditic or a transgender in order to please that God. This is the group that runs the planet. This is the group that runs State Street, BlackRock, and Vanguard. This is the group that runs the international banking cartels. This is the group that controls the money flow. This is the group that controls CIA, Mossad, MI6. This is the group. And when we understand that that group, the same group that took down Building 7 and caused all these world wars, including our civil war, is still doing this today, we have to look at the underlying cause of the common denominator, and it is paganism. It is the occult. It is Satanism, whatever you want to call it. That's what this is. And so for talk shows to ignore this blatant truth to me is mind-boggling. It really is. But the reality is they continue to want to make it a paradigm of Republicans versus Democrats, you know, you know, partisan politics. And as my, my good friend Mancow said to me years ago, if you really want to get big in secular radio, you have to galvanize to the right or to the left. You have to be a Republican or a Democrat, and you can get huge in radio and TV. If you go down the middle. You call out the faults on both sides, both sides of this agenda. You will quickly find out that you will, you yourself will become marginalized. You yourself will cease to exist as far as from a viable standpoint on radio, and it will take you off the air very, very quickly if you start telling the truth about both sides. And that's what we do on this show. And for one, for your support at Health Masters, and you're getting your vitamins and your toothpaste and your mouthwash and all the other things that we sell, deodorants at Health Masters. 
we couldn't be bringing you the truth the way we bring it to you. So I thank you for that. I really, really do. Austin, what do you think, buddy? What's your next story? You're absolutely right. This is what they're doing now with this new religion of transgenderism. This is this is a new religion they're starting to push on here. And I told you guys that the other day. This this total perversion and Megan Kelly bring that topic up. And I mean, you know, it's funny to me. I've got a kick out of it. Is you know, this is a typical hardcore leftist communist mantra anytime somebody even remotely disagrees with them they always have to have a coin term to call them you know back when barack obama was president if you disagreed with anything he did you're automatically listed a racist we saw it all the time it didn't matter what you disagree i don't think it's a good idea it's not good policy oh you just you're racist no i don't think it's a good policy for the united states just my opinion didn't matter then come up and say oh i don't really like the fact that we have dual Israeli citizens in Congress, and we have dozens and dozens and dozens of them, and we give Israel tens of billions of dollars every year, and we get nothing in return. Everybody goes, well, you're anti-Semitic. No, I just don't think that's a good financial policy to be giving away tens of billions of dollars. I mean, imagine a country like the United States that's so bad with money, they steal up to 40% of what everybody makes and yet there's still $30 trillion in debt. I mean, you know how bad of a money manager you have to be in order to do that. Well, again, it's because they don't care. It's always easy when it's other people's money. I learned that a long time ago. It always doesn't matter. Somebody else's money doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They, they don't have to produce anything. The government doesn't have to manufacture anything. It doesn't have to contribute anything. All it does is redistribute wealth from actual assets, from actual work, from actual time, from actual engagements, from actual buildings, from companies that are actually making something, and they just steal a portion of their money, and then they just redistribute it wherever they go. They don't actually produce anything. They just redistribute it. That's why you see such horrific government maintenance in a lot of areas, in some cases in certain states, especially when it comes to roadways and other things. just don't care. It doesn't matter. It's not their money. This, oh, what is the bid? Oh, it's the, you know, $50 million. From, okay, whatever. When's it going to be done? I don't know, a couple of years. Yeah, okay, whatever. It's kind of a check. Doesn't matter. That's why you see the DOD, the Pentagon. I mean, just absolute horrific spending because it doesn't matter. It's just more money. They just create more money. You know, I talked to a buddy of mine that he's been in the Air Force. He said they'd come by, you know, once, he, you know, once every couple months and they'd be doing inventory of parts and tools. And they'd come in and say, dude, listen, you got all these full socket sets here, these brand new wrenches, brand new tools, brand new equipment, brand new, brand new. That uh, that stuff doesn't need to be there. Goes, oh, needs to go, needs to go. So they'd take it all and they'd uh, throw it out in the dumpster. You know, I'm using that phrase <laughs> loosely because they said if they didn't, if they had inventory that was still there, they couldn't get a bigger budget next year for more material, more parts. So they had to throw brand new equipment and brand new tools away in order to keep their budget increasing. That's literally how inefficient the federal government is. <laughs> and that's what's so funny about it now where they want to tell everybody how we need to live, how we need to do, what we need to do, what we need to believe, and now what we need to do with our health. I saw earlier now the FDA quietly yesterday fully retired and removed – the emergency authorization for the monovalent shot, the original COVID injection that was basically approved back in 2020 to be used as an experimental drug and got emergency use authorization has now had that listing removed. It is no longer have emergency use authorization and can no longer be distributed. The original monovalent COVID shot. 
you go, what's well, interesting? I didn't hear anything about that. Oh, yeah. It removed its authorization for the RNA COVID vaccine, retiring the original version entirely. It's saying now that the new spring bivalent booster is available, and that's got new emergency use authorization. Everybody needs to get the spring bivalent booster. I guess we're going to have a fall trivalent booster. We're going to have a winter quadvalent booster. Oh, and another booster, 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 booster. I don't know how many boosters people are going to keep taking, I guess, just until they die. I, I don't understand. I really have a hard time fathoming how people, even people that have been brainwashed at this point, are still thinking it's a good idea to keep getting injected with RNA gene therapy. But again, I guess you got to have certain people to experiment. They're going to go along with it forever. That's what they will do. But I thought it was interesting. The FDA just quietly removes its emergency use authorization and essentially shelves it. It's no longer allowed to be used anymore, suddenly. Now, is this being done from a lawsuit standpoint? Because the lawsuits that were originally filed were against the monovalent vaccine that have been rolling out now. We've talked about in the last couple months. Is it because now they can say, oh, well, it doesn't matter anymore. That, that's, that shot is no longer available. It doesn't have emergency authorization. It's not, even, it's not even in use anymore. So it's irrelevant as far as a lawsuit over it because it's not even in use. It doesn't exist. It just whoop, disappeared in thin air, pixie dust. I don't know. Very strange things what the FDA does, especially in conjunction with Big Pharma, as we have currently seen them essentially in the same bed together for many, many decades. Also, to another news, Germany is closing its last nuclear power plant. This is so far-fetched, and you know, one might say the timing could not be worse for the implementation of this net-zero climate goals, or then again, somebody might say it's perfect timing for the people in power. You know, with stagflation running rampant in the U.S. and Europe, the last thing anybody's actually worried about is the less than, you know, one degree Celsius rise in global temperatures in the past hundred years. There is, by the way, no concrete evidence of any significant climate crisis at all. All the stuff you keep hearing and they keep bringing up, it's pure theater. They twist the data. They change the numbers. They manipulate it and pull little slivers out of a giant data gathering, and they say, oh, listen, this happened right here. Does it get hot down here in Florida? It's always gotten down hot down here in Florida. I woke up yesterday morning, and it was 56 degrees outside down here in Florida. The change in climate is always changing, and manipulation that they've been doing with HARP and the geoengineering has been very real. But what's interesting about it now is the people that keep telling us there's a crisis right around the corner. It's a crisis, it's a crisis, climate crisis. They are the very ones that are going to make billions of dollars with all this vested interest in reinforcing the hysteria. The exact same way we had Bill Gates and Fauci and all the other clown bobbleheads make enormous amounts of money from the pandemic because they were the ones that pushed it. The same thing while we have the military-industrial complex always has to have a war, always has to have a conflict because you have a perpetual state of money coming in. When you start allowing these corporations, when you start allowing BlackRock, Vanguard, and State Street to go in and essentially buy up everything, they have a vested interest in making sure those industries always have a perpetual crisis. There's always a pandemic. There's always a climate crisis. There's always a war. There's always a health problem. It's ongoing, and until people take a step back and say, I'm not going to buy this anymore. I'm not going to go along with this. This is, this is stupid. This is theater. You guys know exactly what you're doing. And now in Germany, they're shutting down the last nuclear power plant. And right after they did it, they said, just to let everybody know, the German utility announces that there will be a 45% price increase in power now. 45% increase in average consumption price in Germany now because, hey, 
we got to shut down the nuclear power plant. You know, I mean, not that I'm a huge fan of nuclear power and some of the stuff that can happen if it goes wrong. But however, what do you do with these facilities now? Hmm? You shut down a nuclear power plant. Once they're up and running, they're fairly clean. So we're just going just, just to shut it down now. Some giant nuclear power plants that are just going to sit there idle. Got to make sure everything stays contained. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a great idea that we can rely on wind propellers to give us energy like we're back 100 years ago now. I mean, the whole thing, we saw it happen in Texas when they were pushing over to that and everything froze up in that huge storm they had at the beginning of last year. And then all of a sudden, you had the Fed come in and say, oh, listen, you have to buy power at like $1,500 per megawatt hour, whatever insane price it was from outside the state in order to avert this climate crisis. It's all controlled theater from the very bottom up. That's why I've continued to tell people, understand and learn how to stay sustainable and how to stay self-sufficient the best you can. Eric Penn, I saw his video article yesterday, a U.S. cattle farmer is now taking to social media, a big cattle farmer, to assure consumers that he will not be vaccinating his cows with RNA vaccines and his network of farmers will not be either. He said the risks are not worth it when it comes to inoculating his cattle with experimental RNA vaccine. So we get a lot of questions about vaccine lately because this controversy on RNA vaccines given the livestock. And I want folks to know we are not going to vaccinate, and I will prove it. He said he speaks out that he will not be vaccinating the, vac- the cattle due to the risk outweighing the reward. He said, I do not feel the risk-reward is worth it. We almost never lose any cattle, and part of that is we're not cycling in lots of different cattle. So almost everything is born and raised here because it goes into processing. I don't think it's necessary, and I often wonder with all these efforts on vaccinating all these animals on what we're actually changing and what is it worth in the end. It's very rare we ever lose any of these animals, and I know we're taking the risk, so there's no reason to increase the risk by doing an experimental shot on them. And this is something that I'm glad to see he's going out and being vocal about. I really hope a lot of other a lot of other cattle farmers start speaking out about this and other farmers because they're becoming far and few between. I mean, just the amount I mean sold in Texas eighteen thousand cattle killed in that random explosion in that milking center. Just randomly, you know, three AM again, middle of the night, just kinda like how every single other one happens and manufacturing plants and egg farms and chickens and everything else. Okay. We'll just kinda just pretend that's not happening right now. Just well, we're we're not gonna bring that up. <laughs> Also, to another news, I saw this the other day, and I thought it was quite interesting, is that Apple is now turning its iPhone to the ultimate tracking tool by now offering banking services. This is very interesting now. Apple has now started their own, essentially, bank. They announced they're offering very attractive rates on savings accounts through their Apple wallet, and they're teaming up with banking giant Goldman Sachs. Imagine that. They said that they went in. And they do this do-everything app that can track pretty much everything you do in your life, Apple has. They're now beating everybody to the punch with essentially starting their own bank. They're saying that they're offering 4.15% on their savings accounts, which that's – if you guys know, that's a very high rate for a savings checking account with no restrictions on it, no minimum on it whatsoever. This isn't a CD. There's no – you do whatever you want in and out. 4.15%, everybody has been going to it in flock. What they're going to do now, now Apple is going to have complete and total control, not only of monitoring what you buy and what you do, now they're going to have complete total access to all your banking and everything you do now with that. So just thought I would throw that out there. Not surprising to me that they're throwing this out there, but 
Again, this is what they're all working on with this whole national ID program and bringing everything down to they want everything on your phone all of the time. They don't want you on a laptop. They don't want you on a computer. They don't want you on an iPad. They want you on the slave tracker phone 24-7, keeping it with you everywhere you go because there's a lot of people now. They don't even carry wallets. I've, I've seen it. Now. They, their phones are wallet. They have their digital credit card on their wallet. They have their cash app on their wall or on their phone. Excuse me. Everything's on their phone. They don't carry a physical wallet with physical cash or even physical credit cards. Everything's on their phone now, and that is exactly what the overall goal is, right? That way they can track, monitor, record, and data log every single thing you do, and then at the back point in time, there's no outing of any of it. So just something to be aware of. Protect your privacy the best you possibly can, and again, be very cautious on where you're putting money right now, especially with different banks not giving you financial advice, but there's a lot of very strange things that are happening in the financial sector right now, and it's very, very important that people are cautious with what they're doing with their cash. What do you think, Dad? <laughs> I think, who owns Apple? <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Number one stockholder, Vanguard. <laughs> I mean, I mean 1.3 billion shares. Uh, number two stockholder, BlackRock. <laughs> one, one billion shares. Number four, State Street Corporation, 587 million shares. The Vanguard, State Street, BlackRock, Control Apple, and now they're starting their own bank. And you can, I can pretty much tell you the banks are all owned by the same groups, too. It's just, it's just, it is what it is. And once we understand that, we understand who's basically running the show, including the media. But the media is now coming out and saying that, you know, <laughs> Seattle, you know, had – you know, a big response, you know, what happened in 2020 protests with, you know, what happened with George Floyd, which I understand what happened with George Floyd. I don't like what happened with George Floyd. And I know a lot of people said he was on fentanyl. I got that. But I still should have had his knee on his neck like that. And so now they're saying, say sorry. Panel tells Seattle police to apologize for the 2020 protest response when they arrested people. Whoa. They arrested people that were rioting and burning Seattle. So now they've got to respond by apologizing. It. The Seattle Police Department should offer a sincere public apology for the response to protesters who took to the streets in 2020 after the death of George Floyd. The community panel urged in a report made Tuesday. An apology from the police department would be a significant step in building trust between the police and the Seattle communities. In all, in all 2020 recommendations that were delivered by Seattle's Office of Inspector General, most of which addressed Seattle police policies, tactics, and training, acknowledged the harm to the BIPOC community, you know, caused by Seattle's police actions over time and issue a public apology for the actions of Seattle police during the 2020 protests was their exclamation. I mean, so now we can have people burning the city. We can have them beating people up. We have them rioting and killing. And the police, when they intervene, because they try to stop the lawlessness and the destruction of the city and the destruction of humanity and the destruction of private property, they've got to apologize because they took criminals off the street. I sit here and I just shake my head and go, this can't be really happening, but it is. And then we have to realize, too, with recidivism, about the, when you go into prison and how many people come out of prison and go back into prison again. Now, in many cities now, they're not even filing lawsuits. They're not even trying to punish property crimes. Here's the article, Gaslighting the Public on Recidivism. We are not punishing most property crimes in California. People don't even report them any longer. Article by Michael Rushford. I'm going to post it. A story posted online edition of the Sacramento Bee reports that California's 26th ad ad adoption of Proposition 57, the Public Safety and Rehabilitation Act, recidivism went down according to report. Not true. The initial allowed criminals convicted of so-called nonviolent crimes such as drug dealing, car theft. Wait a minute. 
I'm just going to slow down on this. This, this is beyond belief. This is mind-boggling. The initiative allowed criminals convicted of so-called nonviolent crimes, such as drug dealing, forget about the problems associated with these children being addicted to drugs, car theft, forget about the baby in the back seat that was there that got dragged off of the car theft, grand larceny, forget about stealing your jewelry and basically burglary, to be released from prison early based upon their behavior while incarcerated. The criminals' poor prior convictions, even for murder and rape, were not required to be considered in the process to determine who was eligible how much time they'd receive. The article notes that the measure was opposed by law enforcement organizations like the San Francisco Police Officers Association, but it didn't make a difference. But in the three years after Proposition 57 passed, they reported the return to prison rate for lease inmates has declined. <laughs> All the decline was slight, the CDRC stated, while these preliminary findings, they show early positive trend in California's investments to improve public safety through an increased focus on rehabilitation. The head of Proposition 57 group, California for Safety, and just went further, saying that B, the report is already and really an important reminder that it is seemingly unceasing rhetoric that propaganda being pushed by law enforcement is somehow prioritizing rehabilitation in prisons. Okay, well, all this is lies. Okay, this is just lies. That's all they're doing. And, and what happened is when 2011 hit, Jerry Brown passed a law, the most sweeping transformation of criminal justice system in history. They've called it was AB 109, dubbed the Public Safety Realignment, passed on a Democratic Party line vote with no committee hearings, and eliminated prison sentences for almost all property and drug crimes that required the existing property and drug felons coming out of prison receive light supervision on county probation rather than heavy supervision on public properties or you know on prisons. In 2014, the ACLU and pro criminal billionaire George Soros bankrolled and won the adoption of Proposition 47. And, and, and so what's happened is as a result, other than robberies and car thefts, people stopped reporting crimes and police stopped arresting the offenders. That's why this recidivism has gone down because they're just left to run wild in the street and rob, kill, steal, maim, whatever they want to do. Apparently, according to these, these articles here, you know, and not be rearrested. Therefore, recidivism goes down slightly. This is insanity run amok. This, again, puts a whole different spin on you know, there's no bottom to stupid. You stop arresting the criminals that come out of prison. Therefore, recidivism goes down and you're winning the war against crime by letting the people back on the streets, not rearresting them as they continue to do all the things that they've done. And then they tell you, we've had a giant victory here with this. No, they haven't. They're putting the public at risk. And this is why one of the reasons so many people are moving out of California. The crimes aren't even reported anymore. Hence, Lowering down the recidivism. You know, it's, it's interesting. There's an interesting article here today by Paul Craig Robertson. It says, My Ignored Warnings of American Deindustrialization. It's a good article. It was how junk economists helped to rich to impoverish the working class. It was last week he said, I explained how economists and polymakers destroyed our company, our, our economy for the sake of short term corporate profits by offshoring and financial deregulation. The same week, Business Week published an article, Factory Jobs Are Gone. Get over it. Wow. You know, there's no jobs for the people to go back to the factories anymore. Many areas, the factories are completely shut down. And this is exactly what's happening. He was on the same support of the argument that Americans are better off without manufacturing jobs. Kenny cites MIT and Harvard academic economists to the effect that there is no evidence that manufacturing tends to cluster. thus disputing the view that there are economies for manufacturers tending to congregate in the same areas where they benefit from an experienced workforce. In other words, it doesn't matter if you have a city – that has experienced workers, they're working at the local factory, they're saying it doesn't make any difference, and there's no, there's, there's no statistical analysis to prove that's true. It's not. It's true. It's very true. But in Ford, 
if you look at Ford, you look up in Michigan, you look at Flint, you look at Detroit, where all those big factories used to be with all these car manufacturers. You know, many of them have been shut down now. Many of them have been bulldozed. The, the, the economies of those cities were amazing 100 years ago, and workers were actually paid a livable wage, especially by Ford, in order to work at the factories on the assembly line, which brought up a huge middle class. But now all that's going to be automated. And see, now we're also taking all of this stuff and we're shipping it to China. We have done so for the last 30, 40 years. So they got, we're granted most favored nation status, you know, with their communist ideology, their slave labor. And so now the United States can no longer produce the products that it needs to manufacture what's left of our manufacturing base. Because so many of the products that are being used to manufacture in our country aren't being manufactured any longer. The United States are coming from other countries, including China. You know, Henry Ford, I love the guy. Amazing guy. He had a factory up there. I believe it was in Flint. don't remember the name of it. I can look it up if you guys would like. And they would literally have piles of sand brought in, and they would bring in piles of iron ore. And they had their own smelting inside of the factory to build the fenders and the frames and the Model T Ford. And they would take the sand and make windshields out of it, make glass out of it. He could start off with just raw materials at one side of the factory, and Model Ts were popping out the other side. I mean, he, had, he brought in rubber trees and rubber tree. They were making the, the tires out of rubber trees. All of this stuff was going on as they were manufacturing their own tires, their own windshields, their own frames, their own body panels, their own everything inside of the factory. That's what the United States was capable of doing. That's what Henry Ford had a vision to do. And now we have everything outsourced. And they have all these different parts coming from all these different manufacturers everywhere, including in the German automobile market. It's, just, it's what we've done to the United States. And in doing so, we've destroyed the manufacturing prowess and the ability of the United States to stand against the world. If we did really have another world war, how are we possibly going to manufacture ships and planes and all the other things that we outsource right now when we no longer can produce those products here in the United States? Craig Roberts is right about the outsourcing of factory jobs. I love you guys. I appreciate you so very, very, very much. Austin, finish it up, and I will talk to you guys tomorrow. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, this definitely is a uh, ongoing issue, but it's probably like we talked about before. It's more than likely what they're doing to make sure that the United States does not stay resilient. The world, the United States cannot be a world superpower anymore into a new world order. They don't want it that. That's why they're pushing this so hard. And you know, it's interesting. It's another topic I'm bringing up. I saw it. Somebody sent me an article about this back from 2015. I had a discussion the other day with somebody about chemtrails and weather modification, and they were kind of arguing about this. This isn't real. They don't do that. You know, they may do some stuff back in the you know '60s with Vietnam, but that's not some active now. Well, I'm going to post this on the website so you can look at it. There's a website called Oliver's Travels. This is all the way back from 2015. They were promoting this, and the title of the article on their website is "Guaranteed Perfect Wedding Day Weather with Oliver's Travels." And they said for the cost of a hundred thousand dollars. They will provide a perfect wedding day with cloud seeding services that can guarantee 100% fair weather and clear skies for your wedding day. And there's a Q&A. So it's how did cloud seeding begin? It may sound like science fiction, but cloud seeding was developed in the 1940s by U.S. chemist Vincent Schaffer. And it says, how does cloud seeding work? It says it's a form of weather modification causing clouds to drop rain and dissipate quickly. They says cloud bursting works by, by dispersing substances into the air in an attempt to cause them to disappear, modify their structure, and alter the intensity of this phenomenon. Just literally, the Q&A says on their website, they offer this now, $100,000, you can have a perfect wedding. He goes on to say here now, is cloud seeding bad? Oh, no. 
the published literature scientific the published scientific literature clearly shows that no environmentally harmful effects arise from cloud seeding with silver iodide aerosols have been observed, nor would they expect to occur. This is funny. This, this is one of the last questions. Isn't cloud seeding unnatural? This is, this is their answer on their website for their services. Scientists have been modifying weather systems on a much larger scale than cloud seeding projects for a number of years. They don't answer yes or no. That's just the response. On their website for you to sign up and pay $100,000 to have a clear wedding day. This is back from 2015. They're offering the services, and they still currently do. I was able to verify. So, yeah, when you hear somebody say that it can't be done and it's not being done and weather modification isn't real, why is this company offering $100,000 services to have people have their clear wedding day? This is why you see now at certain times when you've had presidents go to certain areas. All of a sudden, the weather's perfect. But they'll be spraying chemtrails. They did this when I remember Barack Obama came down here to go to Disney when he was president. It was years and years ago. All of a sudden, we had this incessant chemtrail spraying for like three days straight. And then all of a sudden, boom, everything stopped. The skies were perfect, crystal clear for like three days. You didn't see a plane in the sky. It was very interesting. So again, just something with your friends that are real skeptical about that. Have to do some research when they start making dumb comments like weather modification isn't real. If you guys need anything, my friends, healthmasters.com. Thank you so much for your support of our company. You keep us rolling. You sponsor us, essentially, to keep this show with zero commercials every single day. Feel free to email us or call us with any questions. And also be sure to check out the Pro Cut Core going on sale right now. It's product of the week. And also the Maximum Energy Kit we have on sale on the front page of the website right now at healthmasters.com. Y'all have a fantastic evening. Blessed night, as always. Stay strong and healthy, my friends. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow, as always. Broadcasting to the U.S. and around the world by way of clear digital audio, 22,500 miles above the planet. This is the Global Star Radio Network.